Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Anne Frank was 13 when she and her family, who were Jewish, went into hiding during World War II. In 1944, Nazi authorities found Anne and the seven others hiding with her and arrested them. Only Anne's father, Otto, survived the Holocaust. He published Anne's diary at first as The Secret Annex, the title Anne herself had given it. Here's Otto in an NBC documentary from 1967. It took me a very long time to read it. And I must say, I was very much surprised about deep thoughts on the head, her seriousness, especially her self-criticism. It was quite a different honor I had known as my daughter. She never really as generations have read the diary of Anne Frank, the question of how the Nazis discovered that secret annex remains. A new book by Rosemary Sullivan called The Betrayal of Anne Frank details the revelations discovered by an investigative team that has come maybe as close as possible to giving a definitive answer. So I think this investigation can show us yet another of the many horrors of what happens when you have an oppressive, fascist, racist regime in power what it does to people, what it can do to people, what it did do to people. Marsha Lederman is The Globe's Western arts correspondent and interviewed Rosemary Sullivan about the book. Marsha will tell us what the investigation revealed and why this is important to know, even now. This is The Decibel. Hi, Marcia. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on to talk about this. Just to start, can you remind us, where was Anne Frank hiding during part of World War II? Sure. In 1942, she and her family, her father, Otto, mother, Edith, and sister, Margot, Uh, went into hiding in Amsterdam in an annex that was above and behind uh, the warehouse of the, of the company, the manufacturing company that um, Otto Frank owned or had owned before the occupation, because once the occupation happened, Jews were no longer allowed to own businesses. They were joined by another family of three, the Van Pels, and then a dentist, uh, Fritz Pfeffers. So there were eight of them living in this attic annex hidden by a swinging bookcase. And they were helped with food and other supplies by a small group of people, some of whom were employees of Otto Franks and mm-hmm. certainly friends. And that's, of course, where, where Anne wrote her, her diary that we now know of. She received that diary shortly before they went into hiding for her birthday when she turned 13. She was 13 when they went into hiding. And she wrote in that diary, uh, which she sort of gave a persona to the diary, calling it Kitty, and confided in Kitty throughout their time hiding there until August of 1944, when she was 15. And that's when the raid happened, when they were discovered. It was a police raid Uh, There was a German presence, SS presence, and Dutch officers. And 
the group was arrested and uh, taken to the police station and then to uh, Westerbork and then eventually Auschwitz. How did they know they were there? Well, this is the mystery that has persisted since the 1940s. Were the Gestapo tipped off by somebody who knew that eight Jewish people were hiding or some Jewish people were hiding in that annex? So this has been a a real mystery. Who called in this tip if, in fact, someone did call in this tip? Uh, So this question of who made that call to the Nazis or tipped off the Nazis has remained a mystery since 1944. And Marsha, you asked Rosemary Sullivan, the, the author of this new book, why this question of who tipped off the authorities, if someone did, why this is still important. Uh, and, and here's what she, she said. It's a kind of shadow story. I think we've moved into a very strange time right now. And I feel that what the experience of fascist occupation in the Netherlands reminds us how slowly fascism builds to occupation, to military occupation. I mean, it was such a a disconcerting moment to listen to uh, Otto Frank describe dinner with friends uh, and the announcement of Hitler's election as as chancellor. And the friend says, let's see what the man can do. And then to watch slowly how conspiracy theories, lies, rhetoric, pave the way to the point where violence is acceptable. Oh, yes, we vigorously agreed on that in that interview, talking about how there is definitely contemporary resonance. uh, And that is one of the reasons, maybe not the chief reason, I would say, but it's certainly one of the reasons they wanted to go back, open this Pandora's box, risk the grief and trauma that are stirred up by this story and see what they could find. Listen, it's an enduring mystery, of course. I mean, Anne Frank, when I wrote my story about this, I I called her perhaps the most well-known victim of the Holocaust. And I, you know, I really went back and forth on that because I can't think of a, a better known victim of the Holocaust, actually. And she personifies everything that was so horrific about you know, this event that we can't even begin to really comprehend. Here was this wonderful young girl, then young woman, who was so smart, so funny, so full of potential. What kind of writer might she have been? What kind of person might she have been? And I think she is like sort of this example of the millions of other faces we'll never know that were lost in the Holocaust. Many people grow up reading her diary. And this has been, as I say, an enduring mystery. Who was the person, if there was such a person, who tipped off the Gestapo that there was a family of Jews hiding in this annex? And now, well, it was 2016 when they started this investigation, there are new techniques available, new technology available to help solve the the question. Mm -hmm. And so why not? And so they did or they set out to anyway. 
there must have been a lot of information to go through as well, all from decades back. Uh, how did they handle this and how did they actually go through all of this, um, all the information that they needed to uh, assess in order to figure this out? This was a huge piece of the puzzle, the fact that technology is available today that was not available during two previous investigations into the same question, one in the 1940s after the war and one in the 1960s. They had a database uh, created that would employ artificial intelligence once all the documents that they've consulted, including full books, were inputted into this database, the AI could make connections between people, places, dates, all kinds of things that would have been impossible really to do with uh, human hours. And that was a, a huge part of how they were able to come up with some answers. Were there any key pieces of evidence that Rosemary mentioned that, that helped solve this case? The key piece of evidence was something that actually had been part of that 1963-64 investigation. It was an anonymous note that Otto Frank, the only person who was in that attic who survived the war, it was sent to him at his office at the annex, the office in front of the annex. The note was sent to him shortly after the war ended, at some point in 1945. And the note said, the person who supplied a list of addresses was A. Vandenberg. A. Vandenberg. And that note became a key piece of evidence because from that note, they started to look into who was A. Vandenberg, Arnold Vandenberg. And there were three key questions that were asked about each suspect. Did that person have the knowledge did that person have the opportunity? And did that person have a motive? And in this case, they determined that Arnold Vandenberg had all three. And so did they then determine that he was the individual who, who betrayed the Frank family? That is the conclusion of their investigation. Yes. Can they be 100% sure? No. It's impossible at this point, more than 77 years later, to for sure know. But Rosemary Sullivan said they're 95% sure it was Arnold Vandenberg. So who, who was Arnold Vandenberg? Arnold Vandenberg was, and this is oh, the fact that's really hard to talk about, uh, he was Jewish. He was a prominent member of the Jewish community in Amsterdam. Before the war, he was a very successful notary. He was a member of the Jewish Council, and the Jewish Council was set up basically to carry out Nazi policies, to have the Jews themselves carry out Nazi policies against their own community. And it was obviously a, a sham enterprise. It was, it was horrible. But the people who were on this committee, like Vandenberg, believed probably at the beginning that they were they were doing what they could to protect their community. They were trying to help. They figured if they cooperate, if they do whatever they they could, that maybe everything would be okay. In the end, of course, it was an, an absolute atrocity that these Jewish people were put in this horrific position of, in some ways, participating in the fate of other Jews, although it was certainly not their intention. They were forced into it. Anyway, Arnold Vandenberg was on this council. 
Marcia, you mentioned that Otto Frank had received that anonymous note. Does the investigation, the findings of the investigation, do they think then that Otto Frank knew who this person was all along after the war? In fact, that was another clue because initially, right after the war, Otto Frank was insistent. He wanted to find out who betrayed his family, who led to their deaths. And then at some point that changed. He not only didn't participate really in an investigation, but he actually tried to subvert the investigation in some ways. Why did he want to protect this person? The team, realizing that he'd had this name, A. Vandenberg, all along, or since very early on, realized that perhaps Otto Frank did not want to expose a Jewish person tipping off the Nazis to the existence of other Jewish people in hiding. He was worried about the impact that would have. This would just, you know, lead to more anti-Semitism. He was worried. Uh, He indicated at some point he didn't want the descendants, the family, the children of the betrayer to suffer for what this person had done. The fact that Vandenberg was Jewish is is a significant point um, that Rosemary mentioned in in your interview with her as well. Here's what Rosemary had to say uh, about that discovery in particular. It was the last thing you wanted. Tice did have a conversation very early on with um, his rabbi. And so he said to the rabbi, what happens if the person is Jewish? And the, the rabbi said, we need the truth. And we can't have this insistence that, you know, Jews are one-dimensional. The only way I can cope with it is by seeing um, Vandenberg as a tragic figure, not as some kind of villain. Marcia, how, how do you think about this, this whole situation yourself? Oh, trust me. When I, was, when I was reading the book, which is fantastic, the book is just so well written, when it became clear that the person, that the team decided was the likely culprit was a Jewish person. I felt sick. I I felt absolutely sick. And, you know, it's a little personal for me. It's a lot personal for me, actually. My parents were Holocaust survivors. My mother was in Auschwitz at the same time as Anne Frank. This is a personal story for me. So to think about a Jewish person being implicated in that horrific moment in history, I just thought, oh God, now what? Now anti-Semites are going to be emboldened once again. What are they going to say about us? So I was reading the book Friday afternoon, Friday night, all day Saturday. And on Saturday, at one point while I was reading the book, I, I took a break and looked at Twitter and I saw that there was a hostage taking at a synagogue in Texas And that felt so surreal to me that here I'm reading this book about Anne Frank and this horrific time of anti-Semitism. And at the same exact time, this hostage taking is playing out in real time. In fact, I clicked on the Facebook live of the synagogue in Texas and I could hear it. I could hear it happening live. That was really horrible. And then as the day progressed, I was reading this book and checking on the hostage situation all day long. And then you get to a point in the book when you realize, oh my God, it was a Jewish person who they believe did it. 
And I'm thinking, you know, what's the headline going to be, first of all? It was a Jewish person. In fact, today I saw a headline that <laughs> said, the, the betrayer of Anne Frank was Jewish and Jewish in all caps. And a lot of people will just take that and, and run with it. Before you do that, please stop and think about what people like Arnold Vandenberg were facing at that time in history. We just cannot judge from where we are. Arnold Vandenberg was one of the victims. He was a Holocaust survivor. Do you wonder, like, how did he live with himself if it was him? Marsha, you, you yourself are, are writing a, a memoir which looks at the Holocaust and intergenerational trauma. Can I ask what, what you think the impact of this book will have on, on how the Holocaust and the Second World War is remembered? I hope that, if anything, it shows you what a horrible, absolutely impossible position people were put into. We can't begin to understand what life was like at that time for anyone, um, but especially for Jews. I can't understand it. And it happened to my parents. I can't begin to imagine it. I don't want to imagine it. What was Arnold Vandenberg going through when he was trying to save the life, if indeed it was him who did it, but he was trying to save the life of his twin daughters and his younger daughter, who was the same age as Anne Frank, by the way, and his wife and himself. He wanted to save the lives of his family. And he was put in this horrific position by this fascist, horrific regime. Of course, I start reading that and I think about my own son, who's 13, the age Anne Frank was when she was forced to go into hiding. So I think this investigation can show us yet another of the many horrors of what happens when you have an oppressive fascist racist regime in power, what it does to people, what it can do to people, what it did do to people. So this book is now out. From what Rosemary told you and, and what's in the book, what kind of response uh, are the investigators, I guess, anticipating uh, will, will come next? Well, any journalist knows when you put information out in the world, you usually get more information back, especially when you're doing some kind of investigation like this. And the dream scenario is that they hear from other descendants of people who had their addresses on that list that Arnold Vandenberg apparently handed over to the Gestapo. And maybe there are family stories that they can tell that will be able to connect their capture to the capture of the Frank family and the Van Pels family and Fritz Pfeffer. Already, you know, there's a lot of reaction out there in the world. Some people are very upset by this conclusion. Some people are using it to forward anti-Semitic comments. I've already seen that. And others, you know, most people in my circle are just saying, this is awful. This is just awful. What a terrible terrible thing that happened in our history. It can never happen again. Marsha, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you so much for your interest.
That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein produced this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.